from the CPRI Knowledge Hub and CPRIHub.org. This is Research Minutes, a weekly look at new and important research in education. Today we're examining transportation and whether there is a link between how students get to school and whether they get to school. If I have to be on a bus stop at 6 o'clock in the morning and it's cold in February, there's a high probability I might turn around and go back home. We're speaking with Johns Hopkins University researcher Mark Stein, who recently led a study of thousands of urban high school students to understand the link between public transportation use and absenteeism. We estimate that roughly there's a 3% increase in predicted days absent for each 10-minute increase in travel time between the 8th and the 9th grade. We also estimated a 13% increase in the days absent when a student's commute requires more vehicles, and that's approximately an additional day and a half of absence. Stein joined CPRI Knowledge Hub Managing Editor Keith Hugh-Miller to discuss his findings and their potential implications for school leaders, families, and those hoping to understand and address this unique challenge. Um, so figuring out ways to help uh, folks understand what the, quote, realities might be like of that commute, uh, I think might be helpful. Costs of being on a bus for two hours are non-trivial uh, for a teenager. That's right now on Research Minutes. Welcome to Research Minutes. I'm Keith Humeller, Managing Editor of the CPRI Knowledge Hub, and today I'm happy to be joined by Mark Stein, Associate Professor in the School of Education at Johns Hopkins University and Research Co-Director of the Baltimore Education Research Consortium. Uh, it's a pleasure to speak with you today, Mark. And with you as well, Keith. Today we're going to be discussing your new study co-authored with Jeffrey Grigg titled Missing Bus, Missing School, Establishing the Relationship Between Public Transit Use and Student Absenteeism which was recently published in the American Educational Research Journal. Uh, your article begins with an image I think many of us share when we think of students heading off to school, this big yellow bus pulling up outside of a family home. But as you note, this is increasingly no longer the case, especially in urban districts. So can we start with a little context? What's been happening in the world of school transportation and what led you to conduct this study? I got interested in transit. You know, I'm not I'm not trained as a transit engineer, but I was I was coming into work one day and I was listening to the local NPR station and there was a fabulous story where the reporter was following a young lady to high school in the morning and the the entire story was this journalistic uh, expose of what's it like for her as she went from from home to her high school and it cataloged all of the travails that, that the student encountered on the way to school. And it kind of stuck with me, given my work with the Baltimore Education Research Consortium. You know, it just got me thinking about how do our students get to school and how far do they go and, and what do they experience while they're doing it? And then thinking about, well, what's the impact of that? What does it mean for a student to travel upwards of two hours on a public city bus to high school, what does that mean for their experience of education? And it kind of went from there. And it was one of those things where I just couldn't get rid of it. I kept waking up in the morning thinking about it and thought, surely there's, there's something we can study here that, that would be important to understand better. Can you give us a little bit of context on what's happening, particularly in urban districts with regard to students' reliance on transportation? 
You do mention in your paper that it seems traditional school options, school-funded transportation options are less available than they used to be. Yeah, I think in a lot of urban districts where school choice policies have have taken hold over the last couple of decades, we get a a case where students, you know, are allowed pretty much to choose wherever they want to go to high school. And that can often mean, uh, especially here in the case of Baltimore, that students choose schools that are at quite a distance from home. They're not in their neighborhood. And, you know, in Baltimore, there, there actually is no zone neighborhood school. So this means that by allowing choice, you allow students to go far afield. And then how do you get them to school? I think part of my learning doing this has been how expensive Yellow Bus uh, charter service is to provide. And in an urban district like Baltimore, uh, where there is a public transportation system, that is a, a reasonable uh, way to get kids to school. You know, New York City does it. Lots of other big cities do that as well. Gotcha. This study we're looking at today specifically looks at the links between a reliance on public transportation and absenteeism. So my first question would be, why did you think that there might be a link there? So I think... Um, Largely started with the anecdotes from the stories on YPR and the, you know, in the newspaper. There's been several of them over the last several years. And it also has a lot of face validity. You know, if, if I have to be on a bus stop at six o'clock in the morning and it's cold in February, there's a high probability I might turn around and go back home. Or if my route is highly complicated, there might be days when it just doesn't happen. Maybe the bus misses me. Maybe it passes me. So there's a lot of elements of public transit that could be related to whether a kid gets to school or not. But then also, once, once I started thinking about this, looking in the literature about adults and commuting uh, to work, um, and there's a fairly large literature there that talks about commuting difficulty, commuting stress, and workers' absenteeism. And so taking that and then, you know, kind of the prima facie case of putting those two things together, it's like, well, let's let's see. It's likely to be here with students just like it is with adult workers. Most of us are aware by now the documented links between absenteeism, particularly chronic absenteeism and negative impacts on outcomes like academic performance, course failure, dropout rates. But are these problems more pronounced in an urban district like Baltimore City? Well, I think it definitely can be. In a lot of urban districts, I think there are many other factors that students encounter in daily life that can contribute to chronic absenteeism. Um, In Baltimore City, uh, we have a traditionally high rate of chronic absenteeism. I think in the paper we talked a couple years ago, uh, it was about 40% chronically absent among high school students, which is very high. So understanding that significance and really recognizing that few studies have sought to examine the association between how students get to school and whether they get to school. You set out to do just that. Can you give us maybe a general overview of your study? What were you looking for and how did you go about finding it? Right. So in thinking about how could commuting stress or commuting difficulty, as we call it, how could that be related to increases in absenteeism? One of the first things you have to confront is there's likely selection bias both into commuting difficulty in terms of increased travel time or increased number of vehicles that a a student would need to get to school based on, you know, the school they are choosing, 
and also into absenteeism itself. So some students may be more likely to be absent than others. So taking those two things, we have to find an avenue in to, to try to untangle those things and get a, a clean estimate of transit difficulty on absenteeism. And so given that Baltimore is a universal choice district for high school, which means that there are no zone schools for high school students in Baltimore, all students must choose uh, their school, there becomes this situation where from the eighth grade to the ninth grade, we have a choice process which induces a school change and concomitantly induces a change in transit requirement. And so when we have a majority of eighth grade students uh, enrolled in middle schools or schools with middle grades that are fairly close to home, and then they're choosing in an open enrollment system in the ninth grade, we get this change in transit that's induced by the choice in the eighth grade. And so we use that to, to leverage, cross that change to use the student to um, try to compare the student in the eighth grade to the same student in the ninth grade. And then we get the change in transit. We also get a change in attendance. And we're able to account for all of those idiosyncratic things related to the student themselves. And so um, that's the, the main analytic strategy uh, that we're using. I think we, we showed that transit does increase substantially for students across that eighth to ninth grade transition. In our analytic sample, um, I believe it's roughly about 15 more minutes of transit and also requiring more vehicles. So we established that you know, difficulty does increase as students move to high school. And then the other uh, key aspect that, that we needed to account for was that you have to worry that uh, changes in school, both uh, within a school year, so changes, let's say, in high school, say transferring high school, or changes in residence, a child moving uh, from one part of the city to another, both of those are potentially ways of bias coming into those estimates. So we condition on state what we call stable students. So students that are stably enrolled during the eighth grade year in one school and also in the ninth grade in their high school. And then students that are also uh, have stable residence across eighth to ninth grade. Could you provide a little bit of scope for us? How big was the study? Yeah. So we began uh, with all students who are enrolled in the eighth grade in Baltimore City. And given our restrictions to stable residents and stable school enrollment, uh, our analytic sample ends up being roughly about 3,000 students, uh, which is a little under 50% of the total eighth grade enrollment. So understanding your approach to this and the kinds of students that you were really looking at, uh, let's jump right into the results. What did you learn about these Baltimore high school students who relied on public transportation? So I think one of the one of the first findings or important kind of contextual findings is the increase in absenteeism from the eighth to ninth grade, given our analytic sample of, of stable residents and enrollment, uh, it jumps by about 11 days. So it goes from a base average absenteeism of 11 days to about 22 days, uh, which uh, is substantial. And on average, kids in our analytic sample are technically chronically absent. Then from that, uh, using our, our strategy, We've, we estimated that roughly uh, there's a 3% increase in predicted days absent for each 10-minute increase in travel time between the 8th and the ninth grade. 
And so if we think about that average student in our sample, they're missing approximately 11 days. Uh, that an additional 10 minutes increase in travel time is about a third of a day more absence controlling uh, for the, the number of vehicles you would take. We also estimated holding constant travel time, a 13% increase in the days absent when a student's commute requires more vehicles in the ninth grade than it did in the eighth grade. And that's approximately additional day and a half of absence. And when you say multiple vehicles, that means transferring on buses, things like that? Yes. So requiring going from needing one bus to get to school to needing two, which would mean you'd have to get off of one bus, wait at a stop, and get on another bus. You had discussed how even as small an increment of time as 10 minutes added onto a commute could have a notable impact on future days missed. And for these kind of commutes, we're talking about commutes that can last upwards of an hour or more, correct? Correct. Yeah. And, you know, anecdotally talking to high school students in the city, I've, I've met numerous uh, students that have commutes of an hour and a half, two hours total time, which is, you know, Baltimore's a roughly a 10 by 10 box, uh, 10 mile by 10 mile box. So an hour and a half commute is really substantial. Sure. So given those results, what do you think are the major takeaways here for maybe policymakers, administrators, really any stakeholders who are dealing with the issue of absenteeism and also trying to balance that with the transportation needs of their student body? So I think, not to punt, I think it's complicated. Um, to me, the essence of this study is you know we've we've done our best to uh, distill the effect of public transit and difficulty in public transit, um, and it's relatively small. But you have to remember that that's on top of all the other reasons that students are absent. It's on top of uh, a generally high base rate of absence, um, and so this is kind of like one piece of a multi-threaded problem and issues that our students can face. And that leads us to, you know, the great questions of what do we do about that? And I think, you know, in Baltimore specifically, but pretty much everywhere, transit is is governed by a different agency than the schools are. In Maryland, it's a state agency. And often uh, those transit authorities, students aren't necessarily the biggest stakeholder or perceived to be the biggest stakeholder to those agencies. Um, and so they're competing against uh, adult workers. They're competing against veterans trying to get to the VA hospital and a whole multitude of other constituencies that uh, those transit authorities have to pay attention to. But, you know, in, in the case of kids, they're, they're kids. Uh, they don't vote. And so I think that's an important, uh, we just have to remember that, uh, that we're talking about nested systems that are interacting and our students are trying to, trying to, pardon the pun, transit between those systems. Um, so there's no uh, quick, easy solutions to that. And I think another bit of it is that, you know, school choice has has been in urban districts for a number of decades, and it's likely to, to remain. And I think it serves a very real purpose in cities like Baltimore. Uh, it allows kids to, to move and go to schools other than the ones that are in their neighborhoods. And I think that's you know, potentially a, an important, good aspect of choice. But we have to remember then that it also 
means that students have to leave their neighborhoods and they have to get across town. And that is often against the flow of the way the system's designed. You know, the system's designed to get adult workers downtown in the morning and then back out in the evening. And our students, you know, they go pretty much from everywhere to everywhere. And that can be against the, the flow of the system. And so when you put all that together, I think it's, you know, some elements of it are helping students and families understand what commutes are actually going to be like. Students are transit naive. It's one thing to take a bus, say in the summer, on a Wednesday afternoon when it's when the weather is nice. But what's it going to be like in February when it's very cold and, you know, raining or snowing or sleeting? Uh, those commutes are going to look very, very different. Um, so figuring out ways to help uh, folks understand what the, quote, realities might be like of that commute, uh, I think might be helpful. And ultimately, uh, as long as we want students to, to fully appreciate what the, what the costs are, you know, the costs of being on a bus for two hours are non-trivial uh, for a teenager. There are a lot of other things that a teenager can be doing or learning uh, or being experiencing or exposed to during those two hours that they, they're spending on commuting. So I don't think there's a, a very clean answer there uh, for what we do about it, but I do think it's really important. And it's, it's on top of a lot of other issues or problems that our students might face. Clearly an important one to keep in mind. Um, are there any opportunities here for future research, either for you, your team, or others who might be working in this area? Yeah, I think there are. For us, uh, with my colleagues Jeff Grigg and uh, Julia Burdick-Will, also here at Hopkins, we're also looking at uh, two other main behaviors uh, that we suspect travel difficulty or travel stress might be related to. One is early transfer in high school. Um, So do students who have more difficult commutes, are they more likely to transfer early in ninth grade? Uh, which is interesting because going through a choice process, one, one would hope that students would, would not transfer early, but maybe travel difficulties related to that. Another one is tardiness. So to what extent is travel difficulty related to kids not arriving at school on time? And then I think you can, you can go from there. If indeed transit difficulties related to not arriving at school on time, the question then becomes for me, what class are you missing? And so do kids who have core subjects, first period, first block, uh, what is the effect of transit on uh, achievement in those classes? And then what are, are there follow along effects of that if you have algebra one first block and you're often not at school on time due to transit? How is that related to course passing, which we know, you know, those types of things are, are related to, to further outcomes in high school. So I think there's a lot of room there, just looking at kind of the, um, the outcomes of interest that a lot of policy analysts are interested in. But then I think there's a whole wide open space to truly understand what is this like for kids? Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of city that happens in commuting. And so what is the experience there and how is that related to experiences of stress when a child gets to school? Because the the conceit here is that you'll be able to take a public bus for two hours and then arrive at school on time and then go straight into class and sit down and be ready to learn. And I think there's a whole world of, of things we just don't know. 
and how it impacts kids that we really should understand. That's very interesting. It sounds like a great line of research to keep an eye on moving forward. So this study really is great work. It's incredibly thought-provoking, and I encourage all of our listeners to go and read the full article, Missing Bus, Missing School, Establishing the Relationship Between Public Transit Use and Student Absenteeism, now in the American Educational Research Journal. Mark Stein, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. And with you as well, Keith. Thanks for listening to this week's Research Minutes, presented by the CPRI Knowledge Hub. For more episodes of this podcast, or to subscribe to this series, visit us at cprehub.org. That's c-p-r-e-hub.org. To share thoughts on today's episode, or to suggest future topics, follow us on Twitter at cprehub.